Hey, you're listening to That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the OverMangaCast. I'm Matt, and I'll just read you through this little intro here. This week, we've read One Punch Man, a manga by one and illustrated by Yusuke Murata. Reread through chapters 1 through chapter 77, which takes us all about way through the martial arts tournament arc, right up to the beginning of the Monster Association. So, feel free to avoid spoilers there. And without further ado, we'll start the episode. I'm Matt. My experience with One Punch Man is I am a monthly reader currently. I am caught up to the latest chapter, and uh, this was entirely a reread for me. All right, I'll go next. My name is Sam. Years ago, I only watched season one. Uh, never watched season two because I heard about the animation quality drop and decided, eh, screw it, I won't. And that is about it. So this was my first time reading the manga at all. I'm Jacob, and I knew One Punch Man only through memes. I had not watched the anime or read any of it before this point. I went in effectively blind. Jay here, and I have watched both seasons of One Punch Man, was not aware of the webcomic nor any of the manga leading up to this podcast. So this is first read through for me and I'll leave it at that. I think it's sort of interesting that all of us have like different levels of knowledge of basically the entire body of work. Any of you, um, I know this wasn't required for the reading list, but did any of you check out the webcomic? Yeah. Other than for the purposes of explaining the hilarious origins of the manga to acquaintances, no. I didn't check out the webcomic. I intend to look into more One Punch Man stuff. I intend to continue reading, and I look up the webcomic. I read a bit of it because I was already familiar with this, so I actually got through the reading pretty quickly. So I decided, since I had never read the webcomic, I was going to go through. And I am surprised how truthful it is to the plot the uh, redrawing is literally that it is a redrawing with added scenes by if i was a professional i would have his name ready uh <laughs> Murata. Murata, yeah 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 and um it, it's just amazing artwork so yeah i guess we should go through the general plot which i understand well, there's not much of the general plot is Saitama is the strongest man in the world. He defeats everything with one punch. That's the gag. The real, like, meat of the plot comes from how everything else in the world responds to that truth. That was what I was going to point out, because, like, there's the central gag of the title and, like, the, the base concept of it, but the plot is spread very thin because... It's kind of a character study in a lot of ways, depending on which character it is, like, that's being focused on at the time. Going through, like, the plot points of this particular enemy or that particular enemy that you'd normally do in a shonen series isn't really a good way to summarize One Punch Man, because those ultimately aren't important. Aside from the comedy, which is its own thing, you don't really read One Punch Man for the villains, how you interact with the villains in the way you normally would with a shonen series. That is being very reductive towards Speed of Sound Sonic. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's, that's, yeah. I feel insulted for him. 
But yeah, um, so I'll do the the quick run through then. Basically, the beginning of the manga, we get three fights with Saitama against Virus Man, Big Buff Boy, I can't remember, and then a third fight I'm forgetting about. But the thing with each of those is they're basically self-contained. Wait, are we just glossing over the most important fights here? I'm just getting to the part where other characters are introduced because the first three main plots are Saitama fights a person, and it is a, basically a self-contained story. Okay, I had first note for chapter one is this villain is particularly, like, DBZ Piccolo-esque, and perhaps... It's literally the Piccolo. Piccolo. Yeah. It is literally Piccolo. It is, it is legally distinctive Piccolo. Exactly, and I also have notated the fact that generic, he's saving young child. Child literally just has random school child on their Yeah, <laughs> school child. <laughs> Which, oh, so good. And uh, just a little bonus, the webcomic makes it even more clear that's supposed to be Piccolo. Yeah. Really? There, it's one's art, so it's a scribbled mess, but... Um. Yeah, so I mean, those little, you know, I don't want to call them tropes or metaphors going on there there's a lot of characters like overlapping characters who are character styles that are kind of scattered in there that are supposed to be easily recognizable to those who are familiar with the genre (laughs) okay yeah the second fight is also a dude who basically becomes a titan (laughs) oh yeah no he's just the giant titan which in all fairness is something i think murata added again the webcomic i got through basically these first three fights he is very much just a big dude but Murata makes him very much the armored titan. <laughs> yes, the armored titan and t- tiny scientist man who becomes squatted, li- uh, squashed like bug. <laughs> this is why it's important to you know give thorough instructions. The true moral lesson of One Punch Man: always be very specific. <laughs> exactly, especially since the whole thing was I'm the brains and you're the brawn. So don't assume that, you know, he's going to know exactly what you're talking about. If you say, you need to hit him, hit him. Hit the guy on your shoulder. (laughs) Wait a minute, I'm the guy on your shoulder. No! (laughs) My brother, no! The good part about Armored Titan fight, basically, though, is that's where we get Saitama basically saying for the first time, hey, being the strongest is really dumb, isn't it? Because the the entire through line of his character, I am the most powerful, man alive is this boring. (laughs) Fights are just not fun. But that's like the philosophical core of One Punch Man, if if you want to call it that. You know, actually, I'm going to disagree somewhat on that, because that's the gag. But the thing that I noticed, and the reason I really enjoyed it so much, is I was afraid that's all One Punch Man was going to be. And I wanted to like it, because it's... You know, it's this big titan of a series that came out of nowhere. But if it was just, you know, Saitama is strong, they build up a villain, and then he insta-gibs them. If that was all it was, I would have gotten bored with it. But the thing that I noticed is One Punch Man in some ways is a weird hybrid of No More Heroes and My Hero Academia. Because the whole, I want to be a hero for fun, and you were going in like the early fights and the, the plot synopsis... But one of the early chapters shows the inspiration for Saitama wanting to do this in the first place. And his heroine comes from a very genuine place. And the core of at least Saitama's character is he forgot the real reason he became a hero for very genuine wanting to protect people purposes. And that's why he's 
so bored and downtrodden all the time. His what? character arc is relearning what it means to be a hero and why he cared to do it in the first place. Follow off of that, it's kind of like he got sucker punched by reality. I mean, once he gets entrenched by the bureaucracy and all of the mm-hmm. politics surrounding it, he's just like, yeah, what is joins, this? When he joins the Heroes Association, it is like the 1%, like just the biggest straw man you could have for rich people running an organization. That's an interesting thing about the Hero Association as well, because it was also made with pure intentions that got hideously corrupted. It was born from is- Saitama's actions. It, w- it was born from Saitama's genuine and pure act of self-sacrificing heroism, and it meant to be that. And it o- and the Hero Association is only functional when it is that. I think a mm-hmm. very interesting thing about the Hero Association is it is entirely a private organization. It is mm-hmm. funded through investors. Through donation. Not investors, through donation. Like, that's uh, something that they make very clear about it. It I is donation. Called- I think they're called donations, but if you, like, this is skipping ahead to the, when the... Yeah, it's implied that later on that they're donations slash taxes. The donations come from wealthy individuals, but there is a lot of expectations that you keep the people donating to you happy. I don't know if maybe this is a little bit further ahead than... Basically just skip the introduction of Genos to start talking about the Heroes Association. (laughs) (laughs) We don't care about Genos. What? I care about Genos. I care about Genos. I care about Genos. Anya clearly doesn't. (laughs) I've seen his fights. The thing about that, though, is One Punch Man weaves all of its story and all of its theming very thinly through all of the characters. Everything flows into everything else that's all connected. Genos also has a sort of learning what it really means to be a hero. When Saitama explains how he got so strong and everyone's disbelieving of him, what Genos didn't realize is it's pushing yourself beyond your limits, having a goal and chasing it with everything that you have. And when you're too tired to keep going, you keep going anyway. You know, that's how you become strong. That's how you aspire to your goals and all that stuff. But, like, Saitama is so absurd that people just disregard that truth because there's got to be some trick to it. The typical shonen things that depict who matters doesn't matter in One Punch Man because Saitama will just punch it and it will go away. I think that's also a lot of Saitama's character, though, is he's very much depressed, I think, early on, which... Yeah, we, we've skipped over the plot completely, but early on, he basically says, I don't feel, like, emotions anymore, which I think in the early stages, you're supposed to be led to believe, ah, yes, this is my godlike superpower. But knowing what his character kind of turns into over the course of what we read, it's more clear, he's clearly suffering from depression to the point he doesn't even feel sad anymore. It's just constant disappointment mm-hmm. at the fact that he's been struggling to break his limits, and the excitement was that training, was pushing against limits. Now he's at a state where he's gone beyond them, beyond any other measure, and it's just disappointing. And he's lost that sense of achievement, which he's, he's achieved everything. And that actually, to some extent, kind of goes back into the idea of Saitama isn't just a punchline. He is a character with a character arc, because... If you look at how he starts off before he is One Punch Man, he was already very obviously suffering from depression, and then he did this thing almost entirely on a whim, 
And it was something that gave him purpose. And he was genuinely happy, even though he was getting beaten up. He was in imminent mortal peril. And yet because his life had purpose, he was happy in that moment. And then he trains. And because he had a goal, he had a purpose. It made him happy. But he achieved ultimate strength and kind of forgot why he sought strength in the first place. And so he doesn't have a purpose again. And here we are at the start of the manga. (laughs) I think that actually is a good transition point, though, because I think by the time Genos is involved and then very much by the time they bring up the hero, because in all honesty, let's say the hero association being brought up kind of shifts the manga in a different direction it was going because i think at that point it was becoming clear yes saitama is strong he has gone beyond that and uh jacob i think you mentioned this is like what you were worried it was going to keep being yeah i think they made a one made a very clear decision to shift suddenly at there to focus on something else because it was clear saitama being depressed at being too strong and forgotten why he was a hero wasn't enough to hold the series by itself Mm-hmm. And that's where we get introduced into the Hero Association, which kind of just gets brought up by Genos offhand. And I honestly can't remember why Saitama even wants to join. It kind of feels like he just says, oh, let's go sign up. I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, it's because Genos basically says the Hero Association has cornered the market on like legitimate heroism that is accepted in the public eye everyone else who runs around acting like a hero but isn't a part of the association is seen as a weirdo <laughs> and Saitama's well, like wait a minute i'm not a weirdo that yeah, it was that, that was but, my understanding as well well is, the other thing the other thing was that um uh other people kept getting credited with Saitama's achievements as well yes he wanted legitimacy as a hero yeah he wanted to be recognized for the things that he did um I've never seen a hero do half as much as I do. I was worried that One Punch Man was just going to be the Saitama joke over and over again. And it wasn't, and I'm happy about that. But it is also very funny. And one of the running gags is nobody knows who Saitama is. Nobody recognizes him, even though he could flatten anybody and everybody. That's the core premise of the series. As Jam Jam Project said in the opening, Nobody Nobody knows who he is! So I'd be remiss if we jump into talking about the Hero Association because I realize we skipped over. We skipped yeah. over a lot. We, we, <laughs> yeah, we we skipped over. I I can hear Jay uh, reminding us we skipped over uh, a lot. The, the the introduction she cares most about, which is Genos, um, who as at this point already decided to become Saitama's uh, disciple, and. There's a bunch of bald guys who don't want to work. I forget why. You're jumping around a lot here. What am I missing, Jay? You take uh, it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. So specifically, I'm talking about like chapters. I want to take us back to chapter four, where it centers on... No, this has to do with the underground people. Ah, uh, the, the mold. We forgot yeah. the subterraneans. Yeah, the subterraneans, you know, kind of the whole trope of, okay, we're going to have the mole people, we're going to have the inner earth people try to emerge and reclaim the world kind of thing. And so it's built up um, to be this big, you know, emergence of humanity as a disease, as a curse. Um, The inner earth dwellers are trying to reclaim what's theirs, what they... I don't think it's... They don't really give 
too much reasoning as why they deserve it, only that they were supposedly there first, and now their population is expanded to the point where they need more, you know, real estate. So that's why they're trying to reclaim the surface, and obviously humanity has got to go. Yeah, it's so, a more people trope. Yeah, it's a mold trope. It is a trope. pure expression of it. Yeah. So I have a note here, there, there's an irony in that the surface, that the mole people, the underground dwellers tend to get rid of the surface dwellers to make room. Um, that there's an irony here in that previous chapters, the Piccolo-esque villain once views humanity as a disease that needs cleansing, that the earth needs to heal, and that they need to be vanquished, what ha- whatever, what have you. And now, you know, once again, humanity is seen as, you know, being invasive and um, in- impeding on the natural order of things. Uh, inner, earth, inner earth dwellers were here first, and so therefore their existence, you know, supersedes humanity's existence, and humanity is nothing but, you know, a blight to be wiped out. Humanity as metaphor for disease of planet Earth. Yeah, so that's a common trope throughout the early chapters, I want to say, within the first, like... I think I most Earth-born the... threats phrase things that way. Yeah. Chapters as a whole all say, like, humans are a disease against the Earth. That's a very common line from monsters in this that's series. A, that's a very common line for monsters in Japanese anime in general. I mean, going back to Miyazaki. I was just going to say Miyazaki, yeah. Yeah, how many movies where humanity is polluting the Earth and the Earth will fight back and will, you know, once again um, renew and take care and of itself. If the Earth wanted to fight back so much, they wouldn't have let Saitama exist. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what if they messed up? In this metaphor, what does that make Saitama? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to draw upon the common anime manga tropes here. So well, kind of like, this is present in other bodies' work, and it is also present in Saitama kind of as a parody, as a joke. It's sort of interesting that you mentioned that, because, like, if you look at a lot of Miyazaki stuff, a lot of villains will refer to humanity as metaphor for a disease on Earth, but... Miyazaki films usually end with humanity living in harmony with Earth, finding the right way to do things. And, like, you know, the monsters are obviously evil and wrong for wanton violence and destruction. Like, they enjoy causing pain. You never get the Miyazaki movie of the sides coming together or anything like that because Saitama just annihilates them before they have the chance. Yep. Like, uh, humans are living in coexistence with Earth in the universe of One Punch Man either, because all the cities are very big, expansive metropolises that are... Saitama spends half a chapter trying to swat just a stupid bug. A single mosquito. mosquito. The only challenge he has ever truly faced. (laughs) And he wasn't even happy about that, he was just mad. (laughs) See, all of One Punch Man is a metaphor for terrible fandoms because they finally get the thing that they want and they hate it anyway. Yep. Saitama finally won against the Bull Man. Okay, so to summarize this whole arc about the underground, the inner earth people, it starts off as a confrontation between the... I'm gonna go back and forth between mole people and underground people just, you know, for colloquialism's sake. Essentially... They appear outside of Saitama's apartment, start a ruckus, and he immediately, you know, in true Saitama fashion, is punching them out, 
whatnot. Then later on, it's kind of revealed that it was a dream the entire time. And, however, this dream was possibly a premonition of what was to come. Saitama was prepared. He's like, I've dreamed about this. Comes out, immediately one-shots their leader, and turns out the rest of the underground the mole people kind of retreat. With a white flag that said sorry on it, which they apparently had prepared. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, not too much, you know, build-up here. But I thought it was kind of interesting in the fact that, you know, we were building up a whole retaking of the surface world kind of trope of humanity needs to be wiped out. Humanity is a disease. Humanity is a plague. And then their first attempt, their first shot was immediately, um, just joking, guys. Please don't kill us. It's funny because that, like, through line of, you know, humanity is weak and needs to either be eradicated or, like, improved upon or whatever is a through line throughout the entire thing, but its focus shifts slightly with each subsequent, like, main arc villain. I believe it's right after the Subterraneans where we go into the House of Evolution. I really forgot I that arc happened. Technically, yeah, that's yeah. because the Mosquito is part of the House of Evolution. Oh, is the Gorilla. How could you yeah. I yeah. can't even pick up yeah. on that. Yeah, the You're reason right. why the gorilla shows up is because the mosquito got defeated. Exactly. They mention it in the lab. They're talking about, oh, Miss Mosquito, she got defeated. Oh, we need to send reinforcements. She super, she's only super powerful if she has enough blood. Well, she sucked a whole bunch of people, so... Which is why they want to take Saitama back and study him and, like, do experimentation with him. And it completely and utterly fails. Yes. <laughs> so let's segue into that part. The villain for that's my favorite part, because they spend, like, half a chapter going, Ah, yes, he was the smartest scientist who got so smart he found a way to make himself young again and also clone himself. Not just clone himself, they need to specify he also regained his youth. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. By the way, they never really go out with the fact this guy's, like, 70, 80, and they're like, Yeah, by the way, he just also made himself young and cloned himself. And they're all super smart. We don't even know if the one who is talking is the original or a clone or not, because he seems to not care about his own life while talking to uh, Carnage Kabuto, which is probably, I think, the first... It's because he sees himself as the progression of humanity, so it's not so much just about him. He's like, I am just a superior being as this next evolution. So it's not like he is attached to a particular body or consciousness. So so long as one of him is still around... He yeah. can continue improving uh, humanity. Yeah, but, um, self-improvement yeah. again comes up in fairly meaningful way. But I think Saitama also beats up some House of Evolution goons, but those are very much along the style we are we're that using by this point. That is after the chick, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta yeah. keep it in sequence. <laughs> yes, he, he beat up a bunch of House of Evolution zoods to get to them. And that's very much in the sense we've been used to of Saitama beats a guy who is strong by, like, smashing him one punch. I think Carnage Kabuto is when we start getting into the theme that follows through with fights later on in the series, where it's not enough that we're told he's strong and he's one-shot by Saitama. It's very much, we need an entire list of people to job for Saitama. (laughs) Yeah, This is jobbing the manga. It is, because, like, Genos immediately gets bodied by Kabuto, who... Voiced by Joseph Joestar in the anime, which was mm, beautiful. My favorite part is uh, Kabuto is kind of the beginning of the other trope. It's like the biggest bad guy bodies everybody leading up to Saitama. And then he gets to Saitama and 
batters him around, just ping-pongs him all over the place, and Saitama doesn't care. <laughs> He's getting slapped around, bounced off of walls, punched through the floor, and the only thing he cares about is, wait a minute, oh no, I didn't realize it's Saturday, I'm missing the sale at the store! <laughs> I get those sales, man. <laughs> I respect him. He lives a very frugal life. He does. He's he dirt he's a poor. Man of a we find out later he hasn't had a job and he's currently squatting in an abandoned That's apartment. That's another reason why he joins the, the Hero um, Association Hero because he wanted to be paid to do the hero stuff. Yeah, he's like, um, I'm doing this already and I'm passionate about it, so why not get paid for it? Mm-hmm. So, in other and words, like he whole- went over from a hobby to potentially like a part time job and- type of thing. That also kind of goes into the sort of circularity of Saitama's character, because the reason he was so depressed before he became, you know, the caped baldy one punch man, part of the reason he was depressed was he, like, he was going around failing job interviews, and it's like, even if I got any of these jobs, they wouldn't satisfy me. And, like, that's the reason why he was so depressed in the first place. And then he literally stumbles upon heroism in a very, like, real-world hero sort of way. Which, I mean, I think that that's a good point enough to lead into the Hero Association, which is something he he signs up for, like, I think, I'm taking your word for it because I honestly don't remember, like, out of greed and also, like, in order to get more official recognition, because he's hoping to find meaning in joining this organization. I mean, the exams are probably a good enough point where he just excels at everything beyond any reasonable doubt. And I think it's revealed later the people who were taking the exams with him in that class all dropped quit. out. Yeah, they quit. Yeah. yeah. Early. ones perfectly. I think this is a good discussion topic because I, I want everyone's honest opinion on this. Do you think he failed the written test because it was too intellectual for him? Or do you think Saitama was just lazy enough that he didn't actually care about it? I legitimately think it's both. I think he is lacking in intellectual acumen because he has never cultivated what intellectual acumen he has. And then this Mm -hmm. test is boring, I don't care about it. I'm sure it had involved a lot of questions that were kind of like situational, theoretical, and he, his approach is, well, if I'm in a dangerous situation where I have to save someone, I'll just do the thing I need to do to save them. In other words, like, he's not somebody who necessarily thinks so many steps ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like, I'll like, just do the thing. It was a bunch of, like, strategy questions. Like, how yeah. would you save the hostages? And he would just write, I punch I'd him. Punch the, I'd, I'd, I'd punch, punch the bad guy. Yeah, that's my theory, at least. There were just enough questions where I punch the guy was the correct uh, a correct enough answer for him to pass again i think this gets brought up a little later at some point but it 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 kind of breaks my reality which i understand for the comedy to work people need to be unable to know who saitama is but apparently he not only passed with a hundred percent on the physical thing he broke every Every single physical record Uh and apparently no one cared about this there was a little throwaway line about how they thought it was like there was enough people who thought that has to be faked there's no way that's real when people were like hey there's this guy who broke literally every conceivable physical record ever maybe we should think about him the response from everyone who wasn't there is like ah, he must have cheated Because no one could possibly do that. In all fairness, that also probably speaks to the incompetence that is clearly supposed to be displayed from the Hero Association. Oh yeah, the the sheer bureaucratic incompetence and ignorance. I think my favorite part 
like literally one of my favorite panels from the entirety of one punch man happens about this time and that's with um i wish i could remember snake dudes the snake teacher snack um, his name is where... snack oh yeah yeah oh, his name it is, is literally snack it's like snakefish <laughs> snack or something yes but, um yeah anyway so basically he's been told that saitama even though he's not like anything meaningful like, he, he does not want Saitama to... Because he was the proctor of the written exam. And he's basically told, oh, hey, this guy passed all his physical exams with, like, flying colors. He might surpass you. And he's just like, oh, well, I can't let this happen. We crush rookies in the hero business. Which, again, is probably our first, like, light into, oh, the hero association's also full of a bunch of jobbers who are terrible. It's equal parts, like, high school popularity list and a frat. <laughs> like literally one of my favorite panels is he goes out to the like by the river like that stereotypical mm. shonen thing and he's all ready to fight saitama and he's just like haha i am the last ranked but i am still an a-class hero i am going to crush this newbie so he can never like come up to oppose me and this is clearly like the most important thing of his career saitama is just walking home we don't see the fight at all we get this just, like, sunset shot of Saitama having beat him in one punch and walking by, and yeah. mm -hmm. it's because the fight didn't matter to such a degree that Saitama didn't even notice it. Like, we, the audience, don't even get to see the fight, because from the purpose of the manga, it doesn't matter. Because Saitama's story, it's so far beyond what's happening, and that's why he's so sad. He's so removed. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't feel like he's part of anything. And, like, this guy, like, this was a clear big thing, is beaten off screen. Because he doesn't matter. And, well, that actually kind of parlays into a really important part, in my opinion, to One Punch Man as a story. Because it's been mentioned a couple of times that, like, everybody jobs for Saitama. But the thing is, just because they lose the fights to the bad guys doesn't mean that their stories aren't important. And that's something that's made super clear in particular with Deep Sea King and with the Monster Association's coordinated attack. The Deep Sea King segment is my favorite in the yes! entire manga. Yes! Yeah, it, how about we focus on the Deep Sea King? Let's. There's uh, one thing that I want to mention, though, just because you mentioned Snack. Well, actually, Snack getting I, demolished the way he did is the reason why he fights so hard in a much later arc during the Monster Association's coordinated attack. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that fight did not matter to Saitama or the story of One Punch Man, but it mattered to Snek, and Snek used that as a point of growth, and it made him a better hero and a better person. Exactly. That's the carryover. Saitama is constantly inspiring heroes to do better, to become more genuine, and to really, mm -hmm. to really meditate and think and draw upon what their inspiration to become a hero is, what they really want what they really intend to get out of the hero. And even when he is the Cape Baldy and he doesn't even realize what he's doing and he's bored and disaffected with heroing, his effect on people's lives brings a positive effect. And, you know, sort of an idea of where the story could go to end is a place of Saitama realizing that I am doing good, I am making the world a better place, and that gives me fulfillment. Saitama is the butterfly effect. Yes. Yeah. Getting back to the Deep Sea King real quick, Matt, mm -hmm. it's actually not directly after the Hero Association, because when Saitama first joins the Association, it leads into the next plot point, which is the Paradisers, the bunch of uh, bald dudes who don't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> yes! 
That's right. Yeah, it that gets, creates a negative stigma about baldies. And that's why Saitama decides to fight them. Every, yeah, he decides to fight them because everyone thinks he's a paradiser because he's bald. But this is where we get introduced to Speedo Sound Sonic, the best villain. The best! <laughs> you mean every stereotype about ninjas all shoved into one? Mm-hmm. So basically yes. every pop culture depiction of ninjas ever. Yes. He's perfection. And I approve of everything he does. <laughs> That's all you well, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's take that back a bit. Everything he does, you approve of. Especially murder. Yeah, I was about to yes. say, he, he murders, I think, everyone who dies on camera, not by a monster in One Punch Man. Honestly, I don't think not the monsters true. have very many kills, either. No, I think Speed of Sound Sonic kills a bunch of the Paradisers, and oh, then yes. he stops seeing he deaths in the manga. Yeah, he decapitates several of the Paradisers. I think all but all but their leader, who fakes yeah. his death. Yeah, because the leader was killed by refreshment memory. No, the leader, no, no, the no, leader didn't wasn't. die. No, the leader didn't die. He got hit in the back of the head by a shuriken, but there's he makes a, a comment his, about his how his skull is extra thick. Yes, and he fakes his death because, like, one of extra you know, thick. what? <laughs> God damn it. What extra was that? Thick. Extra Stop. Thick. Extra thick. No. <laughs> I would categorize Speed of Sound Sonic as I mean, obviously he's more in the position of a villain, but I almost want to say like they write him to be sympathetic in spite of how unapologetically evil he is. I mean, but is he evil? He's, he's not, not he's really doing a job. Yeah, he was for hire by the elite. His job then, is to murder people for money, regardless of the other people's moral standing. You're right, he does doesn't murder make, people. Which, but like, doesn't make, that doesn't make him a villain, though. You could argue that he does evil deeds. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying, but is he, in this context of the story, a villain? He's not a monster. He's just a guy who is... He is 100% definitely a sociopath. Because he does not care about human life. He's a villain. He's he's a guy for hire. Yes, but he's not. I wouldn't put him in the same category as a monster or quote unquote a villain. Jacob, but I, I, I don't. I don't think you're going to get to talk her out of uh, husbando worshiping speed of sound Sonic. You might want to. Might yeah, want to move on. To we, a we, more need, we need a fight. We need to pick a different battle. <laughs> Excuse me. She hated. I, I, I just want you to know he's perfect and nothing is wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> I could fix him. I could fix him. Just. <laughs> We totally uh, misplaced the Paradisers. That happened before the Hero Association because when he refights Speed of Sound Sonic is right after he passes it. Yeah. Because he's looking for a villain to fight and he runs into Speed of Sound Sonic and he's like, oh, he counts as a villain. And then we meet. It's it's the He gets confused for a Paradiser, so he asks Geno's why no one recognizes him. Then Genos tells him, if you are not in the Hero Association, nobody knows who you are. So he's like, hey, let's join the Hero Association. He does that. And then there's the thing about how you have to do certain number of heroic deeds a week to be a hero. Which, yeah. And that's, that's the second time he fights Speed of Sound. In all fairness, isn't our fault. One Punch Man just has a very <laughs> narrow story. It is easy to mix up the interchangeable chunks in. That's a great segue, because the emotions I feel when I got introduced in the rematch against Speed of Sound Sonic against the mastery 
of not Tank Top Master, but one of his apprentices that I am forgetting the name of. Tank Top Tiger. Tank yeah, it was Tank Top Tiger. And Tank Top Black Hole. Black Hole, that's right. And he's tank just, Top Black Hole. Who's just a dude wearing a black tank top who can squeeze really hard. I don't think you understand the power the tank the power top gives tank you. <laughs> the freedom of maneuverability granted by a tank yep. top. that is how he became so powerful and why he has so many disciples the the entire tank top line is where we start getting the heroes that are just incredibly dumb completely freaking worthless yeah clearly not because they're strong and i think it's what are we still talking about heroes in the tank top round are we talking about the heroes that are within the s class Uh, we're talking about tank top uh tiger and tank top black hole for the rematch against speed of sound sonic um tank top there's like tank top harry or something there's there's a lot of tank tops but it's it's something i can get behind it's very there's a lot of freedom of tank top girl who doesn't like being seen with the rest of them because they're weird (laughs) (laughs) tank top moomin rider so he could become more powerful oh my god let's talk about moomin rider because wholesome wholesome hero moomin rider is such a pivotal character to the story in the same way Snek is because, and this goes into Deep Sea King, where he's just a dude. He's putting himself on the line for the right reasons because he was inspired by the things that Saitama did. Excuse me, Jacob, he is not just a dude. I'll have you know he owns a bicycle. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will say. The mighty is- licenseless rider. Yes. That was a thing that I wanted to mention this because Having the annotation for English-speaking American readers who don't necessarily know a lot about Japanese culture mentioning that Moomin is someone without a license, that was appreciated. If you are reading One Punch Man, you know Moomin Rider is a reference to Kamen Rider. And it was kind of obnoxious that they thought they needed to add that. That's like saying you don't know about Dragon Ball or Gundam. It's something that we know here. (laughs) Power Rangers is a thing. Wait, what? Super Sentai? What? There was like a little annotation. Moomin Rider is also a reference to the Japanese series Common Rider. Yes, thank you. I was yes, well aware thank of you. that. Yes, I'm aware. Who yes. means plan? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you are, if One Punch Man isn't really deep cut, but it is more deep cut Japan than Common Rider is. Because Power Rangers exists. So anyone who is like, going into Japanese stuff is going to have ostracized the ex- simply the existence of Kamen Rider already. But this yeah, is completely I, beside the point. Yeah, it's completely beside the point, but I wanted to point out how much that annoyed me, is all I had to say about that, which was a lot, but I'm the salty one, so... Yes, we've established this. We but we've, we have been, uh, we are coming up on an hour, so maybe we should, um... <laughs> move things along to at least get in the deep sea king because holy crap yeah that <laughs> it is the single i don't know if i want to say it's the single best bit in- it's the point where one punch man as a story realized the best way to tell its story mm-hmm. and that was and it also it also introduced some more of our favorite characters like a pretty pretty prisoner yeah <laughs> the glory That's that is the class heroes the S- which um are basically determined to be the only heroes that matter because every time heroes try and team up to take on a stronger threat, it doesn't work. And that is pretty consistent through the <laughs> entire series. Yep. Teamwork doesn't matter. Only individual performance. To the point, I'm not 
sure if the series supports that thesis or no, not. No, hang on. It does not. And I will tell you why. Because mm. situations where Snek and I don't remember the electric guy's name, but those two team up regularly and they never stop the villain, but they save civilian lives. Even together, they are not strong enough to defeat the villain, but they do good. And that's another case where Moomin Rider comes up in that same sense where he cannot stop Deep Sea King, but because he keeps getting up over and over again, because he refuses to let other people be at risk, because he takes the risk onto himself, that is the reason why it gives enough time for Saitama to, by pure chance, wander into the path of Deep Sea King and one-shot him. Are we talking about Stinger? Jake was not referring to Lancer. <laughs> well, that's actually another uh, excellent example of this sort of through line of, yes, it does support the idea of people working together and being stronger together because a bunch of randos might not be able to stop a god, but they can stall a god long enough for someone who is also a god but benevolent to come along and help. Oh, if we need all these heroes to do something when some guy just came in and finished him with one punch, it sounds like those were a bunch of losers and we only really needed the one guy. Can you fish-lipped asshole? <laughs> <laughs> but, the true uh, villain of this series, that one dude with a neat shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh my neat, god. Neats are the true uh, terror of the universe. Well, wait. But, isn't he, Neat also? Isn't Saitama also a Neat? He's employed. Yeah, he's employed. Not, uh, not until he joins the Hero Association. He's not. Yes, but the oh, yeah. Hero Association means he's employed now. Yeah. But, so yeah, uh, that that's that's adding to the thesis that Neats are the true villains of One Punch Man. I know. I'm just feeding into the devil's advocacy right there. But yeah, um, he's basically I, the, he's the, still the, a Neat, but he's not a Neat. Yes. yes. The Boros arc kind of proves why you still need more heroes than just Saitama. Sorry, you also need Tatsumaki. You need two heroes. <laughs> yes, we need exactly two heroes. But Saitama spends like 80% of the alien attack just running around the spaceship and he's one-shotting high-level lieutenants and captains and he's busting down walls and doesn't even know where can... he's going. No, like... he, he doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> Nobody outside can tell he's doing anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's sort of the proof that even though he's so super powerful, just one guy isn't enough for yeah. all the problems in the world. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because perhaps, perhaps if the others had not been, you know, out there distracting the other stuff that was going on, you know, it would have it would have spread to more than one city. Yeah, one city got entirely demolished while while they were inside having a meeting. At which point, we've skipped over a bunch, but I don't care anymore. But yeah, th- that is the thing. Not only can Saitama not be everywhere, a lot of times he's not motivated enough to be anywhere. And even if you did have him be motivated enough to try to be everywhere, he couldn't be. You the need only re- people like Moomin Rider for the things that are below Saitama's purview. The, and below like, his the, energy level, and because like the only- he just doesn't feel like doing it. And the only reason Saitama was even there in City A in order to fight Boros was the seer lady had her vision and yeah. Geno- Genos got summoned because he's an S-class hero and Saitama happened to be there and he's like, eh, yeah, sure, why not? I'll come along. I, I don't have anything else to do. Yeah. Point. We also have um, Bang vouching for him because he stopped the meteor, which in all fairness, I'm fine skipping over that because that's actually the a meteor very was not important. The meteor. 
the meteor arc existed entirely for Murata to just flex his immense drawing muscles on us. Well, I'm impressed. But, like, there was one chapter that was literally just, it starts in Saitama's apartment, then it goes to outside Saitama's apartment, then it's a city shot, then it's a further away city shot, ad infinitum until it's the meteor out in space, and it's like, I I don't regret reading, I, I didn't even read it, I looked at it, I don't regret looking at this sequence of pictures, but it is not relevant. <laughs> I'm wondering how much of the webcomic that encompassed, because that feel the, the entire meteor arc feels like the manga's stalling for time, which is why I don't care that we skipped it and we should focus on Boros. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We, should, we should focus on Boros, because Boros continues the theme I mentioned with Carnage Kabuto of there's not even anybody to really job for Saitama with Boros himself. Boros jobs for Boros because yeah. it's like, here is my ultimate form! Slaps around Saitama. Oh, fuck, that didn't do anything. Here is my actual so ultimate, ultimate form! form. That didn't work either. Meanwhile, I think we're forgetting that S-Class heroes are all down fighting, like, the clay dude, who's just yeah. made of amorphous thing. That is the S-Class heroes jobbing against one opponent, and I-, I will argue we actually do get jobbing for Saitama, because that guy who's on the ground is revealed to be the third strongest... Mm-hmm. The second strongest is the dude Saitama one-shots before he can even use his attack getting on the ship. And, the, like, background characters keep asking where that dude is. Yeah. It was like, oh, he's already dead. What do you mean he's already dead? He was our second strongest fighter. <laughs> I can't... Hold on. Is it jobbing if they win the fight? Because that's another case where heroes not named Saitama work together to accomplish a goal. So... I mean, what is your definition of jobbing? I would argue that they are com- they are conducting a job. They have accomplished that job. That still makes it a job. Well, well I'm using the wrestling jobbing term is for the jobbing. wrestling term. Yeah, the, to um, make someone else look good by taking the fall. I would argue it's not technically jobbing by that definition. But what they're doing is it takes the entirety yeah. of the S class. To barely, well, I guess not barely, because not barely, because they actually rather handily defeated one of, him once they figured one of out his weakness. One of Atomic Samurai's apprentices got very severely injured, but once the S class heroes, they kicked him around until they found his weakness. And yes, that does show how much more powerful Saitama is than everyone else, but it also shows how imminently useful all the other heroes are. And when the Hero Association is doing it right and not being a popularity contest and a money-making venture, it saves lives. You also have Tatsumaki, who I think, because Tatsumaki didn't help fight Clay Guy, what she did was rip out rocks and throw it at the ship, which I think is revealed at the end did nothing. Because what broke the ship was Saitama crashing into it, and we get Mm -hmm. a, a long line of things of people taking credit for things Saitama did. Tatsumaki, who was spending the entire time saying all other S-Class heroes are worthless compared to her, did nothing. As she is wont to do, and that's why Blizzard is best girl. It is shown that she does actually take out all of the ship's guns. It stops it from shooting more, which saves the S-Class heroes, because they're too tired to run away. But let's let's focus on what really matters in this arc, which is the fight with Boros, which I think (laughs) is the only time Saitama gets anywhere close to enjoying a fight. Yeah. Yep. He meets his a- match in someone who is equally looking for a challenge, and he's just like, yeah, let's go at it 100%. I feel like this is a parallel the- of what other shonen fight face-off oh. 
ramp up to a climax, like Frieza versus Goku, big epic fight scene that Saitama doesn't care he about, and he's yeah. so disappointed. Yeah, he yeah just like he launched to the freaking moon, and he's like, I guess oh, I should hold I my wonder breath. if I can jump back. Builds up to the point, it's like, this is what you wanted, Saitama. You wanted to meet an opponent who just wanted to go at it, who really wanted to challenge, and yeah, this is what you should want. And you just like, I kind of still feel empty about it. Yeah, Saitama makes a good point there, because what he says is something along the lines of, wow, you really shouldn't cause all this trouble to just find someone to fight, like... You've destroyed us. Like, this is ridiculous what you've done to find an opponent worthy of fighting. He admits he's given up everything. He's done nothing but sought power. Saitama doesn't want to fight power. He wants to feel something. So someone who just wants a strong, like that typical shonen thing of, ah, yes, a strong opponent, I think is a little, it's not subtle enough for what Saitama actually wants. Because Saitama isn't going to fight an S-class hero if he thought one of them was as strong as him. Because that's not what he wants. He wants to be a hero who accomplishes something. The reason he says he doesn't enjoy the fights is because there's no risk of him losing. That's a very shonen, I want a challenging video game kind of mentality. And it's not the reason he did it in the first place. The reason he saved the kid in, I think it was chapter two that they did the origin story. The reason he saved that kid with the ridiculous cleft chin was because... It was the not right so thing cute. To... Not so cute. Yeah, the Balchinian. <laughs> yes. God yes. It. it was the right thing to do, and it didn't matter that he was putting his life on the line. He could do something to help someone who was in need. And the fact that Saitama has so long been focusing on the fact that there's no risk in the fights he participates in is the reason why he doesn't feel fulfilled. And in a lot of ways, I, I've already forgotten the alien guy's name. Boris. Boris. I'm not sure. Do they explicitly say that he died? Oh, he died. <laughs> he yeah, died he hard. Died. Well, he, was, he was shattered into pieces, but he's also an alien. Well, yeah. also Frieza he, lived he, through worse than that. Well, no, because by his own admission, the final form he goes into, like he says, ah, yes, being in this form consumes my lifespan. And then he says that at, like, an earlier version, and then he does, like, a times ten and says again, ah, yes, this increases the power of the last one. So it's assuming he gave everything to then die. Well, he put everything into his ultimate super final attack that Saitama used the serious series. Serious punch! I, I feel like they could potentially bring him back if they really wanted to. I don't think I don't it would think be. they bring him back. Yeah, I don't think so. But regardless, but- even if they never see him again... Like, he makes that comment about it was stupid to cause all of this destruction just to find someone strong. Like, Saitama inspires people to be better. And in I'm, what I guess we've established was definitely his last moments. In his last moments, he understood that. He's also in his last moments, he realizes Saitama was lying to him when he said he was going to take him seriously. Because mm, even, yeah. even though he did serious, serious, serious punch, Boros goes... Were you seriously still holding back? Because remember, according to one, uh, if Saitama punched with all of his strength, he would destroy half the universe because that's the direction he was facing. What Saitama wants is fulfillment, and what he finds fulfilling is video games with King. Moving on to the best character. So we can we we got through Boris's fight. Um, we can obviously come back for anything that matters. Oh no, I know what I want to ask. So guys, I I, I think I want to point out. I want each everyone's opinion on this. Um. Boros technically took more than one punch, right? 
Actually, yeah. He took uh, the consecutive normal punches attack and then like uh, healed through that one. And then it took the serious series. Now, was that him or was that the armor he was wearing? That was him. Because like the first thing he or Saitama punches him, breaks the armor. Then he takes the consecutive normal punches. Then it's the serious series. So it takes three attacks from Saitama to defeat Boros. Technically, consecutive normal punches is probably multiple punches. It's one attack because he's pun- he's punching it nor- at normal human strength with the speed of Saitama. Like, that whole fight is, like, Saitama making a connection with someone who is, like, the darkest version of himself. Someone who hurts people for the thing that, you know, gives him fulfillment. Don't get me started on dark Saitama. Jay sent me a fandom link of Dark Saitama, which that was... Oh God. That would be such anyway, a boring uh, villain for yeah. so many reasons. I, exactly, that's that's why we're not talking about it. <laughs> uh, uh, let's talk about King. Best King. King let's is talk great. About King. Yes, King is great. So we find out that King is uh, S-Class Hero Rank 2? No, uh, one. no he's 1. Yeah, he's Rank 1. He is Rank 1. He's definitely not Rank 1. No, he's he is not definitely no, right, rank one. Right. Rank one is, is last. Rank yeah, one is a guy we haven't seen yet in as yeah, far exactly. as we've read. He is necessarily mentioned in what we've read, so but yeah. I um, think he's rank six or something. King is actually yeah. pretty lower ranked. It's just everyone thinks he's the strongest man because that's what his title mm-hmm. is. And well, he, he obviously isn't higher ranked because he always is saying, I don't want to do that job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Hero Association he just to him because he's the strongest man. Because we find out King has possibly a superpower in that he is unlucky enough to always wind up in places where Saitama is fighting a monster. Ends up getting credit for it. He's the guy left standing there holding the metaphorical bag. If anything, I would say the anti- anti-Saitama. Because he has gotten everything Saitama wants. He doesn't want any of it. And he is very content with his life and happy. Despite being in a situation he's not super thrilled about. He is kind of the neat, because all he wants to do is sit inside and play his romance games. <laughs> kind of, he's a man after my own heart. Technically, he is a neat, because he's just receiving a check in the mail from the Hero from, Association. Yeah, from the Hero Association. <laughs> doing no work. <laughs> he's getting his neat bucks from the Heroes Association. <laughs> <laughs> so he can buy his Otome games. <laughs> The dream, guys. I'm, That's the dream. I'm sad that he is ashamed of of liking Atome games. Well, yeah. I mean, own, that's own your not truth, King. Own yeah. your truth, King. I mean, he's literally, but the setting wise, he is in Japan. You know, the home of Atome games in Japan. It is still very much an undercover thing. It's still very shameful to you know get those People Atome are allowed games. to like the things it- that they like. I'm just saying, like, even when I was buying my Atome crap, like, you get, like, as a foreigner, you still get the side eye. It's just like, oh, you're another weeb foreigner buying this crap. (laughs) A side eye to King, the strongest man in the world. He wears his hat and hoodies to to disguise himself. Yeah, he wears a hoodie. His Otome games. Yeah. And then that robot shows up and Genos gets in a super awesome fight with it while King hides in the bathroom. Did we see the end of that fight or does that happen off screen? I I don't know. I know Genos wins, but uh oh no, we do see the end of that fight. Yeah, they basically they use Genos for action set pieces. The only other time where the only other two times where there were like very shown in fights 
was Saitama's dream of the mole men and his fight against the uh, alien king. Against Boros. Boros. I keep uh, thinking Duros because that's a species in Star Wars. But speak, uh, speaking of Genesis action sequences and how amazing Murata's art is, I just want to say this. I love the scene where Genos and Saitama are sparring, specifically for the one moment where Genos goes in and lands that like super high-speed punch on Saitama, and the onomatopoeia for Wham! appears, and it casts a shadow on the ground, <laughs> which implies that the giant onomatopoeia is diegetic. <laughs> <laughs> so we get introduced to King, we find out he's a sham, and he's actually partially part of the reason why Saitama hasn't been getting credit for things, because King has been accidentally lucking into it. Mm -hmm. uh, Saitama and King bro it up, and um, that begins the saga of Saitama accruing followers of people who just hang out in his apartment. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's No, 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 that actually happens with Blizzard. Her and her crew kind of more like... Saitama is genuine. Saitama is not all about the hustle and trying to climb the ropes. He's just he super strong for some reason. He actively berates her for it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and as Saitama makes more and more friends, you know, he begins reconnecting with his humanity. So it isn't until he's known Genos for a while and lived with Genos and then he becomes friends with King and they play video games together that he's like, Blizzard comes up to try uh, crushing him and he's like, and he's like, you're a really crappy hero. You don't know how to hero, do you? You're really bad at it. Forming these like little crybaby club political blocks is really stupid and lame. You know that? It doesn't help anyone. And actually... Interesting point, sort of, uh, side to that, going back to, the, like, the sparring match with Genos, Saitama seemed happy when he was doing that. Like, he was doing it, to some extent, out of an obligation, but he was, like, smiling and enjoying it as much as Saitama enjoys things. And, again, it goes into that idea of, you know, the thing Saitama finds fulfilling being helping people. I mean, going back to the sparring with Genos, I think the problem with Saitama is he knew the fight wouldn't be fulfilling, though, because the the real point yeah. where disappointment hits Saitama is when he punches someone and they don't get back up, and he knew Genos wasn't going to get back up, and he wasn't going to actually hurt him. And that's why you see him get excited when Speed of Sound Sonic comes back for around Blizzard, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, no, Sonic attacks when uh, Blizzard During the is Blizzard also attacking. Thing, yeah. That is the second. That's the se that is, that is fight no, that, that is fight. Punch. No, that's fight 3 with That's Speed fight 3 Sonic. with That's fight 3 with Sonic, yeah. Uh, he punches him in the groin for the second time. Yeah, that's what I know. Yeah. There's a count on this. Uh, do you have an accurate counter of how many times he gets uh yes. slammed in the <laughs> Yes. As you can see, anytime Speed of Sound Sonic's groin was on the screen, Jay was very observant. Anyway, uh, so we were talking about the Blizzard group, how she basically... <laughs> the Blizzard bunch. Yeah, so, like, is part of the problem with the Hero Association is that the B group is, like, basically controlled by her because Saitama got promoted after something. After the extraterrestrial arc, he gets promoted. People, of course, are questioning it, saying, what, are you sure that, you know, it wasn't just because you, you know... Hanging, is it, are you sure it wasn't just because you were hanging around when actual strong people were doing things, King? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it irritates me so much, but, but um, I relate to it. So it, well. it also brings up the the point we get over and over again: is people afraid to like put themselves out there and try? Because the reason why she stays at B rank number one 
is because she knows she can never beat her sister, who is Tatsumaki, rank 2 of S-class. But more over than that, she knows she can never be rank 1 in A-class. Does she actually think that, or do you think she is afraid? Because there's a theme here where a lot of heroes are afraid of pushing boundaries. In other words, she is content with having the control she has with B-group. She has, you know, a following. She has a, a gang. As opposed, like, if she were to actually continue to push through the ranks, you know, that would dwindle off. She wouldn't have that position of control anymore. When Saitama basically asks the same thing, she as much as says, my sister was always better than me. I was never number one at anything. This is the highest number one rank I know I can comfortably achieve and maintain. So I am staying here. This is my number one and nobody else can have it. Says that she's afraid. Because yeah. it basically yeah. Oh, yeah. Has, she's, she's afraid of losing the one thing that she found fulfilling. That doesn't mean that that's necessarily like the highest that she could. Yeah, I was, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That she does have higher potential than what she is tapping. Not to make another comparison to Hirowaka, but like that is one of the core themes of Hirowaka is that you should continue pushing yourself. And One Punch Man isn't quite that shonen about it, but, like, not, like, falling into a trap of complacency, which Saitama is absolutely in himself. Uh, Blizzard's a very uh, cohesive, you know, expression of that. Mm-hmm. Then after Blizzard, we basically directly transition into Garo, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh! Hero the, Hunter. The Hero Hunter. That's sort of happening at the same time as the as it the is. big finale to that arc. There, there's kind of a lot of, like, one-shot adventures that happen, and in the background, Garo is slowly taking out heroes, and it, it's becoming more and more evident. And we get this great scene of why the Hero Association is incompetent. I actually think it happens directly after the extraterrestrial arc, because then it's when the Hero Association recognizes that there are some external threats. And they're saying, okay... And and that they aren't enough. They aren't enough, so they call in all of the villains to say, hey, there's something we can't handle. Will you call a truce with us so that we can deal with the thing that would kill us all? And that's Garo's introduction where he says, the thing that will kill you all? I'm glad you mentioned me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, just gonna bring out uh, why Speed of Sound Sonic is a psychopath. Garo didn't kill anybody. That's... in that crowd of villains, he didn't kill anybody. He only hospitalizes people. Now, I do think one of the heroes kills people because he shoots, like, blue flame or something. And that incinerates a dude, if I remember correctly. The way One Punch Man handles violence is functionally identical to the way JoJo's handles violence. It only kills if they say it kills. Otherwise, you can get ripped to pieces and still be fucking fine in a week. Anyway, so Garo is going on in the background. He is now a threat. That's right. And that's where the Hero Association gets to be shown as the incompetent bureaucracy it is, where they are warned Garo is happening, that he is going around taking out heroes, and he's slowly working his way up the ranks to stronger and stronger people. And it is told they spend 15 minutes talking about him, and then two hours deliberating what uh, Genos's and Saitama's hero names should be. Yep. And in that two hours, they decide on Demon Seinborg and yep. Caped Baldy. Yep. They spent <laughs> so long on them. Yep. This is where we also start transitioning into the uh, the Monster Association segment. Because uh, they're like, yeah, no, okay, fine, Garo's bad. We should put bodyguards on our investors. 
which leads to the best boy, Metal Bat, getting into a fight with Garo, which is interrupted by giant centipedes. <laughs> giant multiple, centipedes! Multiple giant centipedes. Isn't there a junior centipede and there's a senior centipede? And then there's like an uber centipede or something? Increase centipede. There is not one, there is not two, there is at least three, and I'm pretty sure there was four at one point. And their backstory was a centipede gained, gained, like, emotional or, like, empathy or something. Let's let's just go into it. All the monsters' backstories are stupid, to the point the manga itself makes fun of it. The first monster we see is a guy who ate too much crab, so he became a crab. Yes. That makes sense. You, You are what you eat, guys. In all fairness... The Monster Association arc is kind of where we start getting into a running theme, because this is definitely the longest arc we've read of all of them, and it kind of falls into a trap of... It's a lot of cool fights, but for a lot of them, we're never actually given any stakes to them, and they're kind of happening in places that are kind of hard to visualize. So they're very much supposed to be, like, screenshots of what's happening, because we're focused on Saitama. Who's in the middle of a martial arts tournament. Because he joins that martial arts tournament because he hears there's a hero hunter going around. Who uses martial arts. Because he beats Tank Top Master. Yeah. And yeah. Tank Top Master said, it didn't matter how strong I was. My physical strength was worthless against his power of his martial arts. Which is the point that Saitama goes, oh, hold on. There's a guy who can beat people with insane physical strength through martial arts? Maybe I should learn martial arts so I can fight him. Well, and the thing is, you mentioned stakes. Like, the stakes of most of the fights are very personal and, you know, with that theme of doing your best for the people around you. Because uh, Snake Bites Neck and the Electric Dude, I'm pretty sure they teamed up against uh, Deep Sea King as well. I'm pretty sure this is the second time we see them team up. They're hiding in the shelter. They're they were hiding in the shelter when he came to the shelter. They immediately stood up and stood to fight, and it didn't matter that they got their asses kicked. They kept getting back up, and it happens again with the martial arts tournament. Does anyone remember that monster's name? the The big guy who was like the previous champ. I don't remember his. I want to say it's Garo, but I I can't it's, remember. I, no. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I think it starts with a G, but it does not matter. Goketsu. Okay, that is, okay. Because the thing is, the way we're introduced to Snek is he's an awful person, a terrible hero, whereas in this arc, pretty boy uh, martial artist, he's like talking about how you guys could easily get away. Why are you still here? And it's because there are still people to protect and it doesn't matter that we're definitely going to lose and almost certainly going to die. The entire martial arts tournament, which is fun in and of itself because it's a shonen tournament arc taking place in the middle of all these fights that (laughs) realistically everything going on outside the the martial arts tournament matters, but we're purposefully only given glimpses of what's happening and the focus stays on Saitama the entire time because it's his story. But but no, there's one thing I want to talk about before we get into the tournament arc, which is in preparation for the tournament arc, and I think it's really indicative of One Punch Man as a whole, is we have Saitama going to get a disguise so he can pretend to be the person he's pretending to be to get into the tournament. And on the way, Garo is walking away from having just been beaten up by someone. Um, Watchdog Man. Watchdog Watchdog Man, man. Which, he is my favorite because he is a dog. But he's upset. 
and he's like wondering who this guy is. Oh, Garo also beats up a hero association guy. Are we sure that's after his encounter with Watchdog Man? Or are we are we sure that's not him coming back after beating the Ten Top crew? It doesn't matter for what I'm trying it, to it, say. It, I, yeah, I can't yeah. remember. So, um, but what I'm trying to say is, uh, Saitama is on his way. He has decided he's entering this martial arts tournament. So he can learn martial arts, so he can defeat this guy who's going around beating, like, super strong heroes with martial arts. While trying to get the very first step of that plan, which is acquire a cheap disguise from a, like, discount store, the guy he's doing this entire thing for walks up to him, and Saitama one-shots him without even knowing who he was. So he could pick up the wig that he's going to use to learn how to defeat him, and I think that's just indicative of Saitama's depression. Well, how like, do you know he wasn't a weirdo? He could have been stalking him. Are you trying to mug me? I'm just saying. But, like, like I think that scene, though, is just really indicative of One Punch Man as a whole. Is like, Saitama is excited to do this martial arts tournament to, like, because he thinks this hero hunter is something he can actually fight. And he doesn't even know he beat him within the first, like, five minutes of the arc. Within their within the first ten seconds of encountering him, like so much of everything involving Garo is, oh man, when Garo and Saitama really get into it and they're gonna have a fight, and boom! It slowly like you get more and more background information on Garo, and it quickly feels like the story's turning into his story, but we're not allowed to see it from his point of view a lot of the time because it's Saitama's story. Yeah, which k- kind of goes away from that, but that's not in the part we read. So, yeah. b- but. The the martial arts tournament is amazing because it's Saitama beating everyone in one punch and other guy who's super strong beating everyone in one punch because he sees Saitama doing it. He specifically does one kick because he doesn't he wa- he wants to do something different from Saitama. Yeah, the pretty boy. I can't remember his name because because yeah. his his entire reason is to job for Saitama because that's all anyone's job is in this series. A lot of the time mm-hmm. is. From a meta point of view, he is there entirely to build a goketsu at the end when um, the monster cells, which are the things that turn people into monsters from the Monster Association, are given to the winners and, like, top competitors of the uh, martial arts tournament to turn them into a group of monsters, which is the entire plan. He basically goes, no, that's dumb. I want to be a human. I want to be a hero like these cool... Well, he doesn't want to be a hero. He wants to be better than a hero. He thinks heroes are lame. He think well actually no he thinks heroes are lame at first but then Snack and the the electric dude they start to change his mind he sees them as somebody who does it strictly for the fame and strictly for the quote unquote job and then he Which says well, is what Snack started off as yeah but because of Saitama's interaction with Snack that changed him. And that showed the pretty boy, that's not all heroes are. That's not all heroes have to be. It starts to change him. And then he meets Saitama in person. I don't know if he comes back or if he's going to come back, but like Saitama changes his worldview. Even when it's by a degree of separation, Saitama being Saitama makes people better and better people make other people better. To wrap up, because we are at about the point where we stopped reading, to end on King... Because King is best boy. <laughs> hey, he is best man. Best man. <laughs> He's best man. Yes. He's the world's strongest man, and I will have no one defy me otherwise. 
Yes, the world's strongest man, King. King kind of takes everything that we've been talking about this entire time and verbalizes it for Saitama by quoting a manga. <laughs> he is the best psychologist for Saitama. He is just great without yeah. even needing to be. He's just, he's, he's, he's a really good friend. He's the friend that he needed. Yeah. He, for one, he gives Saitama a human connection. And two, he gives Saitama things to strive for because he bodies him in fighting games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And he also, you know, reminds Saitama, okay, sure, you're the strongest guy, but you never do anything with it. I never even knew who you were until you joined the association, and I still barely know who you were. But you keep on borrowing my PSP and breaking it for some reason and saving over my save file, but you know, whatever. Why not like actually strive towards being a better hero in terms of the actual ideal of heroism rather than just being strong man? And Saitama's like, yeah, I could give that a shot. We end this arc how we began this arc with Garo having just lost another fight as he's been wont to do this time. Sees King, recognizes him as an S-class hero, and knows King is very elusive and hard to track down, thinks this is his only time. And, like, every time anyone encounters King, his mind is racing with, oh, he has he's not even putting up a guard. He must be willing to do any of, like, a million different techniques, and he's prepared for all of them. And he rushes to make a, like, surprise attack. And Saitama one-shots him into a wall, going, huh, was that a mugger? And Saitama does not realize the guy he did the entire martial arts tournament to fight he just one shot for the second time. But now, he's able to move forward with his mental health because he doesn't need to beat the hero hunter in order to be a good hero. Yep. That's not what he wants anymore. Being a hero isn't fighting strong people. Being a hero is making the world a better place. So the moral of the story is live your truth and go to therapy if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> or just okay. be obsessed with King. So, I think... A fun way to wrap up. Uh, let's go around. Uh, what? Who was your favorite character and why from everything we read? So chapter one through chapter 77 of One Punch Man. Uh, Jay, how about you go first? Oh, put me on the spotlight. Okay, um, Jacob, how will we? <laughs> um, favorite character. The meme would be Watchdog Man because dog. And I do actually genuinely like Watchdog Man because he is just... You know, he, he is good boy. He protects his city, which is what a hero should do. But honestly, I really love Moomin Rider. He sent Saitama a fan letter, and, like, it starts off like it's going to be, like, a formal letter, and then it's crossed out, and it just says, thank you. And, like, Moomin Rider is, like, the type of person that the story is about. He tries to be his best self, and, you know, that world is better for having him because he's just a good person. And he expresses that in his actions. And I, like, he's just, I really like him as a person. Good answer. Uh, Jay, who is your favorite character and why? I have several. Um, I'm going to have to agree wholeheartedly with Jacob and Women Rider. He's just, he is the hometown hero. He is well-rounded, genuinely wants to be the best hero he can be. Looks up to Saitama for his for his efforts. If anything, in the entire Hero Association and all of society, he's the one who actually gives Saitama the recognition that he so deserves, has so mm-hmm. earned, and so you know desires even more so than Genos really is his number one fan. As far as I would guess, my second favorite, I I would have to go with. 
I would have to go with Bang and Silver Fang because he seems to early on recognize the potential for Saitama. I would say before the Hero Association wanted to even start somewhat recognizing mm-hmm. what was going on, and kind of picked up, he's like, there's something about, like, he's not just as plain as he might put off. There has to be something about this He kid. looks plain, but there's something about him. World yeah. of people who seem purposefully ignorant to things directly in front of them. <laughs> he is someone able to actually see what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that yeah. really stood out to me really early on. Um, so I would have to say, and the fact that he's just generally like the grandfatherish figure who, yeah. but I'd have to say, you know, husband wise, definitely speed of sound Sonic for obvious reasons. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you have quality reasons for your picks. <laughs> I mean, I did weigh them. I mean, I did, I did rank them. I, 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 I'm not ashamed. It is what it is. Okay. Purry, purry prisoner. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I did say you shouldn't shame people for liking Otome games, so I guess I won't. I guess I'm obligated not to shame you for this. I did warn you. I did warn you there would that be... That is also true. Yeah. We so didn't go over some of the waifus of this arc, or several arcs, but we'll... Oh, I just guess. wait. We still got Sam's pick. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, naturally, Moomin Rider, for all the reasons stated before, um... If I picking someone other than Moomin Rider, I really like Genos, both in terms of like the actual <laughs> advancement of the plot and also because as funny as a single slap man going and just bopping people into the into the stratosphere with a flick of his wrist is Genos actually like continues growing and evolving as a fighter and it's always really interesting to see like one of my favorite fights is him versus cockroach man where he's like uh after um i fought sonic and realized that i i can't really keep up with uh incredibly fast people i installed a glue dispenser in my (laughs) (laughs) and i just i love that's so what quintessentially one punch man way of increasing your power yeah i i love just out of left field shit like that um and uh best girl is blizzard don't at me yeah she is infinitely better than the than the sassy lost child and um from younger than the sassy lost child you know that right yeah like she's the younger sister uh yes but uh tatsumaki is the sassy lost child um but from what i've seen or from her latest appearance in the monster association attack uh she looks like she's got a great chance at real character growth and i'm looking forward to it after she fought the the monster <laughs> i forgot so, about i'm surprised that. you didn't list monster princess as your favorite you were just gonna go <laughs> simp for her <laughs> i didn't get um, hit by the magic whip i can't simp for her ah uh, yeah that's how oh um, yes it was well, anyway i think mine goes without saying uh my favorite character is king saitama's joke is funny that he beats everyone in one punch i think king's joke is funnier because he constantly gets into situations where people misattribute his constant fear as, oh no, this person is a god-level threat to mankind. It's the like, king it, engine. His heart, up. his heart beating out of his chest out of pure terror is a thing that intimidates people around him. And there is a bonus chapter in one of the volumes where he just wants to work on his um like little fan game project so he's got his disguise on in a restaurant little does he know the men sitting at every other table around him are trained assassins sent to kill him but every time he does any little thing in that restaurant they think oh no does king already know we're here 
oh, but there's eight of us. We can clearly take him on. And one of them, like, is about to stab him as he's going up to refill his drink. And King, for some reason, thinks this is a fan asking for an autograph, puts his hand on their arm going, you don't want to do this, hey, and says just the right thing that makes the person think that, oh, he knows I'm an assassin, but he's saying I can come back and assassinate him after I'm done being a hero because I need to protect all of mankind. (laughs) Meanwhile, King just doesn't want to sign an autograph and wants to work on his little, like, visual novel script in peace. (laughs) And that, that, like, bonus volume is the epitome of the joke of King having near superpower levels of managing to get out of situations. (laughs) It's pretty. That is his superpower. That is a super, which is that is a genuine power. I mean, being able to completely take yourself out of situations. Like no spoilers, it just keeps going. And at the point that we're like double the length of uh, pages to get to the future, he's still in the manga. He hasn't been revealed as a sham, so he just keeps going. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it, guys. All I can say. Now, obviously, for the meme, we've got to ask this: Who would win in a fight, Saitama or Goku? So oh my god! Saitama! Why? Why? That happened at a it's party! A good night, everybody! <laughs> Sam, would you continue reading One Punch Man? Oh, 100%. I, I had to physically stop myself from not doing so in order to, you know, not start talking about things after our, like, reading goal. Jay, would you continue reading One Punch Man? Absolutely. Um, as I might have mentioned before i actually had to you know consciously try to remember what our cutoff was because it was very hard to stop (laughs) jacob would you continue reading one punch man i very much intend to continue reading one punch man the thing i had been concerned about was that it was going to be one played out joke and it was it couldn't have been further from that and i'd recommend other people read it it's just a great series and like I said, I keep up with this uh, currently. So, um, yeah, I, I'll continue reading One Punch Man. <laughs> Next week, we are going to start on uh, My Hero Academia, or Boku no Hero Academia, or however you want to freaking say it, you damn weebs. And we are going to be going from chapters chapter 1 to chapter 44, so to the end of the sports festival. So before they, you know, fight Stain, which eh, I love the Stain fight, so... We have to stop somewhere. We I do mean, have to. We do have to lot, stop somewhere. There's a lot of points in Hiroka, but the next part's so good too. Wait, you're saying we're not going to read all 300 chapters of My Hero Academia before next week? All in one week. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. See you later. <laughs>